Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here. Lord, I thank you for those that are here. Lord, I pray for those that are not here. Lord, whether it's uh, for physical, spiritual ailments, whatever, whatever the reason is that they're not here, Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer, Lord, that you would just touch them. Lord, as you're going to touch us because we're here, uh, Lord, I pray that we come seeking you. Lord, that uh, we intend to draw closer to you. Lord, that as we sing songs, uh, Lord, that we lift you up in praises. Lord, I pray that that's uh, satisfactory to you. And Lord, as Brother Darrell comes and shares the word, Lord, I pray that you just touch him. Lord, that you'd make it easy for him. Lord, I know that he's prayerfully considered what you've given him to say. And Lord, you knew who was going to be here, what we need to hear. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us keep our hearts and our minds open. Lord, that as you speak to us, that you would convict us of what we do wrong. Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would just allow us to draw closer to you, to be the Christians that you'd have us to be as we go out to share that gospel with a lost and dying world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ooh, you're in the Father's 
take your shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's
chapter 6, 4 through 8, and there's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. You can like to use that, Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, and we'll have, most, we'll have the scriptures on the screen. Uh, Matt, let's, let's go ahead and, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. Let's do that first. 
let's, let's read this text first. Very serious text, uh, uh, and God means what he says. That's what makes it such a serious text. So Hebrews 6, 4 through 8 reads this way. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Now I want you to kind of count with me. He's going to give five descriptions of the person that, uh, that, he's, that, it, uh, that it applies to. Okay? For it is impossible for those who were, here's one, once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. So there's five different dis- descriptions there or traits there. It's impossible for people like that. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. I want you to catch in that verse, verse eight, uh, 6, since they crucify him again, since they crucified Jesus again for themselves, the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. For the earth, here's, a, here's an analogy, for the earth which drinks in the rain and often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Very serious scripture. It's impossible for those, those five traits, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, let's put this, this, this phrase, I suppose, sentence on the, on the screen. What we're talking about is persistent, unrepentant sin. Okay? Persistent, unrepentant sin. This uh, scripture right here, not everything, not all general Baptist doctrine hangs on this, but this is one of the one of the cornerstones that makes general Baptist doctrine somewhat distinctive, okay? I have a lot of friends who disagree with me, okay? A lot of friends, a lot of, a lot of good friends, and that doesn't make them wrong just because they, dis, they disagree with me. But I do want to tell you what I believe is the truth. I, I want to tell you what I believe is, is scripturally true, okay? And this scripture is talking about this persistent, unrepentant, Sin. I want you to just think about that. Persistent, continu- almost continual. I don't know if continual is a good word. Persistent, unrepentant sin. What happens to a person like that? What condition are they, are they in? Here's where uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I really want to get to the end. To the end is at the end is where I want to spend spend the most time. But I do want to I do want to talk to you about this. I think it's important enough to talk about the dis, the distinctions. Okay, uh, so the uh, the main distinctive question that ch- churches and Bible t- teachers will have is well. Who are we talking about when, when the, the pastor, when he writes this, and, he, and who is it impossible for that to renew them again to, to repentance? And he, and he gives five things. Uh, those who were once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift. Now, this next one's the one I really just drives it home for me. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Have tasted the good word of God and the powers to come. The question is in Bible scholarship and in church doctrine, is the writer talking about Christians or not? For those, if it's impossible to renew them again to repentance, is he talking about Christians or not? Okay. And so a, a lot of what you see in the scripture hangs on that, on that thought. A lot of scholars that I read, a lot of good friends that I have, and this doesn't this doesn't change my my friendship. And there will be some in this in this room. Uh, you don't have to you don't have to agree agree with me. All right. Uh, is this talking about Christians or not? Now, when I read it, let me Matt. Let's go ahead and and put this next phrase up. And this just kind of gives you a framework of how I. Approach scripture, what does the scripture mean? When approaching the word, 
with no preconceived notions, the obvious reading of Scripture is often the accurate one. And so all I ask is if someone uh, talks with me about it, disagrees with me about it, that's, that's fine, as long as you're doing it honestly. What I'm saying is, as long as you're doing it and, and not because your denomination tells you to believe this way, or not because you're expected to see the scripture this way, or not because you had a professor in school who taught it this way and so you have to do it that way. So it's, if, if you will, and if my friends will, if we'll approach the word with no preconceived idea, okay, I'm going into it, so the word's got to mean this way, or lean this way, or say this, because I already think that's what it says. If you'll stop that and just simply read the word as it is, the obvious reading of Scripture is often the accurate one. Let me give you an example. When Jesus said, it is easier for a rich man, it, it is, I'm sorry, let's go, let's do it right. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. What did Jesus mean? You know what I think he meant? I, th I think he meant it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Now, you hear all kinds of things that there's a, there's a hole in the wall around the city of Jerusalem called the needle, and a camel can get through it if he gets on his knees. and Well, the only thing about that story is it's not true. All right, there's a problem there. There, there, there may have been a, a hole in the wall at one time. In Jesus' day, there wasn't a hole in the wall. You know what I think G Jesus meant? Exactly what he said. And so it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which some of you don't even know what the eye of a needle is, but it's a very, very small hole. What's Jesus saying? It's impossible. You can't do it, no matter how you twist the word, whatever. And then for a rich man to get into heaven, depending on his riches. Well, I'm rich, so I can pay my way in. I'm, I'm rich, so I can earn my way in. No, Jesus said, it's impossible. You might as well talk about a camel going through a very, very small hole. It ain't going to happen. Okay? I just, I believe the obvious reading of Scripture is often, most of the time, almost always, the accurate one. When I read this Scripture, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. When I read that, that screams Christian to me. That screams a believer in Jesus Christ to me. Many will disagree with me. That's fine as long as you do it honestly. Okay? Now we're going to move on from that kind of div divisive tone into, well, so, the, the Bible does say this though. It, there are some that it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. What does that mean? That you can do something that is so bad that Jesus will not forgive you of it. Is that what it says? No. It doesn't say that. It's the obvious interpretation of Scripture. It does not say that you can do something so bad that Jesus cannot forgive you of it. That's not what the Bible says. It says that it is impossible for those, whether you believe they're Christian or, or not, once they fall away. And there's another thought right there. How can you fall away from something you're not a part of? Okay? If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. What's the issue here? Why can't they come back to repentance? If you're looking at your outline, we'll also have this on the screen. This is very important that you get this. This isn't God saying no. You, don't, you, don't, you do not read that there. This is not God saying no. This is people saying no. The word impossible is not what God can't do, but it's what you won't do. The lack of repentance is not on the shoulders of God. The lack of repentance is on, on the shoulders of you. And on the shoulders of me, it's on the shoulders of all of us. A lack of repentance is never according to what God can do or what God will do. It's according to what people can do and what people will 
do. Really, the word can't, what people can do, I, I shouldn't have used that. It's what pre people will do or won't do. So this isn't God saying, no, I, I, I love how Spurgeon, uh, he really wasn't talking about this verse. He's talking about some, some other things. He said, but, but he said, and I, I, I love the way he put this. He said, I don't want you to get the picture that, it, <clears throat> that it's you or I knocking on, the door of, of, knocking on the door of heaven and God won't let you in. It's not a picture of that at all. It's the fact that you aren't knocking on the door. That's the issue. The issue is, is the issue of salvation. The issue of, of, of can I be right with God is never on the shoulders of God. It's always on the shoulders of me. Now, last week, I really hit on two scriptures, Romans 10, 9 and 1 John 1, 9. I just, I just hammered away on those, and rightfully so. I'm going to hammer away on them again this week. This is kind of the opposite side of the, of the coin this week week from last week. Last week was if you confess, God will, will forgive you. You've got to get that in your head and, and, and in your heart. This week is, but what if you don't confess? So Romans uh, 10, 9, that if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe that. Bank on that. Stand on that. Have faith in, in that. But what if you don't? See, that's a really, that two-letter word, if, is a huge word. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, what if you don't? Then you won't. Salvation is for those who will confess with their mouth. They do believe in their heart. What if you don't? Is that God's, is that, is, if you don't, if you won't, is that God saying no? No. Who, who's saying no? you why can't God for God forgive why can't God save you because you will not confess with your mouth you will not believe in your heart you refuse to do it so the the, the weight of the the uh, consequences of our lack of salvation is always on us and the next one this is even more plain to me first John 1 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all, un all unrighteousness. What if we don't confess our sin? What if we don't? Is he obligated to forgive you of your sin? No. That's plainly what scripture says. If you don't, then he won't. Then he, in, in, a, in a sense, in a sense, I, I don't like to use the word can't and God. But in a sense, he can't because he said that's not the way this goes. That's not the way it works. So if you confess your sins, yes, he's faithful and just, but if you won't. So that's why the, the writer can, can, can say, and it's, it's easy for me to see it, it's impossible for those who were enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, saying, because they continue crucifying the Son of God afresh. They continue doing it. It's persistent, unrepentant, Sin, dangerous, deadly. It's the killer of your soul. It will damn your soul. This lack of confession, this lack of, lack of repentance, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. It's you, it's not that you're knocking on the door of heaven and he refuses to let you in. It's you don't even care that there is a door. Okay? We move on because I do want to get to the last. Well, Matt, let's just wrap it up. I'm going to put this up for just a second. It's impossible to renew someone to repentance who will not, re not repent. Okay? It's impossible to renew someone to repentance who will not, re not repent. Repentance, is, it, there is that responsibility on our part. Okay? I'm going to move on to what I... Uh, Call the insanity of sin. I've, I've used this in uh, different ways. The insanity of sin. I'm going to use an example of this. Uh, this is uh, this is persistent, unrepentant sin out of 1 Samuel chapter 15, 13 through 21. Story of Samuel and King Saul. A little background, so you get this. Many of you know the story, but just real, real qu quickly. <clears throat> Uh, 
prophet, um, judge, priest, and prophet. Samuel and King Saul. Saul is being instructed to destroy the Amalekites, the enemies of God. Interesting, if we go through the book of Esther on Wednesday night, how this comes up again. So Saul's been instructed to wipe out the, um, the, um, the Amalekites, the people, the everything, everything, to destroy it all. There's a reason why. We're not getting into that now. There's a reason why God said to do this, but God made it very plain. Saul, King Saul, this is what you're supposed to do, wipe them out. Well, we get to the story that we're going to read, and Saul doesn't do it. He saves the king. And if we read the book of Esther, uh, I think that he not only saved the king, spared the king's life, but he spared the family of the king, and that will come back to haunt the Israelites hundreds of years after Saul did not do what God said to do. Okay? So here we come to this story. We'll, we'll read this, and we're calling it the insanity of sin. I want you to walk almost the insanity of Saul, the insanity that he's gotten into because of his sin. So... Uh, I failed to turn. I, I'll just read it off the, off the screen. I failed to turn there. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Okay? Samuel, how far do we go? 21. The Samuel said, okay, Saul just said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of oxen, which I hear. And Saul said, they, you catch that? They, have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. You see, do you see that? They did it. And they did it to sacrifice to your God. And the rest... We have utterly destroyed. I could just stay right there, but I'm not going to. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. I, I love that one. Be quiet. Stop talking. And I will tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. Before you even spoke, this is what God has been saying to Samuel to say to Saul. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And, and Saul said to Samuel, this is important right here, the insanity of sin. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I'm gonna, Matt, let's just read, leave this verse up here a second. I have utterly destroyed the, um, the Amalekites. You see that in the verse, the insanity of sin. Why didn't you destroy them all? I did destroy them all. And see, I brought the king back. And I utterly destroyed them all. But here's the king. I, de I destroyed it all, but here's some sheep. I destroyed them all, but here's some oxen. Why didn't you destroy them all? I did destroy them all. But here's an example of what I didn't destroy, but I destroyed them all. When you read that, is there anybody else in the room that says, What? <laughs> Do you, I, does, does, does anybody else in the room feel like Samuel saying to Saul, just be quiet. You're not making any sense. It's insane. Samuel saying to Saul, you sinned. And Saul said, no, I haven't sinned. Here's the product of my sin. What? Then the last verse. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Do you see that? The, the, the people saved some back. We should have destroyed it, but we didn't, but we, we obeyed the command of God. See, here's the stuff that we should have destroyed. Insane. Persistent, unrepentant sin. They don't see it. They... I don't know. I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand it. 
I don't, uh, have you ever talked to someone and, you know, tried to have a serious spiritual com- conversation with someone and the condition of their life and what's going on in, in, their, in their life and, 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 you, and you talk to them about biblical things and spiritual things and godly things and holy things and they're living in such a lifestyle and doing things, think, thinking things and they're just so much out of touch with, with what God has plainly said in his word. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, it's obvious sin, but they don't see it. Is there anybody else in the room that knows somebody like that? Obvious sin. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not even, a, well, I'm not, no, it's not even, I'm not sure. It's standing right in front of you, and you're not seeing it. Persistent, unrepentant sin. Samuel said, Saul, what you've done is wrong. Saul said, no, I haven't done anything wrong. I've obeyed the command of God. No, you haven't. But Saul just wouldn't see it. The, pro- the thing is, this is where the message for me really switched gears. I had not intended when I started out, I was going to go to Romans ch- chapter 1. I was going to do all kinds of other things. But it just really struck me right here. These two men. Samuel, the judge, the priest, the prophet. Hey, you don't get more godly than that man. He is like the man in Israel. God wouldn't speak to Eli. God wouldn't speak to Eli's sons, but he'll speak to Samuel. And there's not... uh, there. The Bible says that there's a drought of the, the word of God when Samuel came on the scene. But God would speak to him. And then you have Saul. And Saul just insane. Insane. Sin, insane. The insanity of sin. Right there in front of him. And he won't, he won't see it. And Samuel is so frustrated with Saul. Can you see yourself? Can you see yourself? See, I'm up here talking about other people. You know, other, and, and I do. I, I, I deal with people that just, wow, where they get what they get, where they think that they're okay with what they're doing, and, and oh, how many, how many times? And I don't, care who, I don't care who's in the room. I don't care who watch, watches this. This is, is just crazy. People will come to me that they're defending what they're doing, saying, I know this is okay with God because I prayed about it. And it's, it's so obviously contrary to God's word, but they're, they're making it okay because they prayed about it. No, you didn't. You talked to yourself about it. And you convinced yourself that it's okay. You didn't talk to God about it because God's already said something about it. All right? God's already said something about it right here. He doesn't need to tell you, and he's not going to tell you anything different from what he's already said. You've talked to yourself about it. You've convinced yourself about it. It's not the will of God. It's your will. So blatantly obvious that that you are involved in unrepentant sin. I deal with that all the time. But you know, it's not always everybody else. Sometimes I see threads of that, scary threads of that in me. In me. Now, I don't believe I'm in um, persistent unrepentant sin, but I believe I could be. I sure I don't I know I could be. And I see threads of it running through me where I, I just convince myself that it's okay. I convince myself, well, everybody else is doing it, or whatever. I'm really not big on that. I kind of like to be a little different from everybody. Every, I don't I don't I, I don't I just don't get trying to be like everyone else. Why on earth would you want to be? But I gotta move on from that. I'm trying to get to the end. I, I, can, I can see threads of it in myself. But where the message really took a turn for me is when I, I watch Samuel trying to deal with Saul. This, this is important. I can see myself in Saul. I can see myself in, I can see myself in Sam, Samuel too. Now, I'm not saying that, at, at, I mean, the, uh, the spiritual stature of Samuel and I is, is entirely not even on the same page. I mean, he's the man in Israel. But he's trying his best to convince someone who's in persistent, unrepentant sin to change their ways. Okay, I can identify with that. 
trying to convince someone who's in persistent unrepentant sin to change their ways, talking to him about it, pleading with him. Just, and he, and he, it didn't work. And it doesn't work. If Samuel can't get you to repent, I don't know what else to do. I don't, I've, I've run out of things to do. Okay. You, uh, hopefully, everyone in the room can see threads of yourself in Saul. You, I'm, I, I know very well that I'm not talking to a group that, just, that is, that is uh, a, a, a whole lot of us are in this uh, persistent, unrepentant state. I know that. But I want you to be able to, to look at yourself seriously and say, but I, you know, I could be, all right? And I also know that there are probably quite a few of us in the room who are actually more like Samuel than Saul. And we have been trying to talk to someone. We've been doing our part. We, have, we are concerned about someone that's, that's just stuck in this uh, persistent, unrepentant state. Or they may not be so deep into it, but they're heading that way. They're heading the wrong way. And some of us are like Samuel trying to reach Saul. I think that's, I think that's great. But what helped me was, you know what? If Saul can't do it, I mean, I'm sorry, if Samuel can't do it, that's why you're having trouble with it too. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. Sometimes it's impossible. I'm going to talk to you as we get ready to, what I want to do is I want, I want the, I want our prayer time this morning to be the star. I want this time right here to be the star of the show. Uh, that, that didn't come out right. Star of the service. I, I, I want our prayer time to be like the most, in, the most important time. What we're going to do this morning is pray about two things. First one is going to be that this uh, issue of us being a little too much like Saul. Okay? The second one is going to be those times when we are trying to be like Samuel, trying to reach Saul. And it's just so hard to do. And sometimes it seems impossible because sometimes it is. What I'm going to ask you to do when we get to the part I'm going to go ahead and say this now. <clears throat> when we get to the part of us being like Samuel, trying to reach Saul, I'm going to talk to you about praying. And in praying, I'm going to talk to you about praying for someone who you are concerned about, someone that you are spiritually concerned about. Now, they may not have tipped way over the edge like Saul did, okay? <clears throat> but they're walking too close to the edge. They're not repenting like they should, all right? And I think we can recognize that because we can see that in, our, in ourselves. But you're, you're concerned about it. What I'm going to ask you to do is pray for them. Well, yeah, we already have been, we already do. I'm going to get a little more specific about that. I'm going to put, I'm going to put the, a little more weight on us. The scripture where... Samuel says this. He said, God forbid that I should sin against God by not praying for you. God forbid that I would sin against God by not praying for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is make a commitment to, for that person that you're concerned about, that, that person that you're you're aching about, the person that you're burdened about, I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Every, and I, li need you to, I need you to listen and decide if this is going to be you because I don't want you to do it if you're not serious about it. I want you to dis decide I'm going to pray for that person every day until they die or I die. I'm, I'm going to pray for that person every day until they die or I die. Because I've talked to them, I've shared with them, and we're going to keep doing that, but it's not working. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Very important thing that Jesus said to, said to Peter right after that. 
Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. Flesh and blood can only go so far. Samuel trying to reach Saul will only go so far. And that's as far as he can go. God's got to do the rest. I want you to consider in your mind, in your heart right now, who it is that you will pray for every day until they die or you die. Somebody's got to die first before you stop. I was thinking about this, running over this in my head. I drove somewhere, pulled out, pulled in and got out of my truck, and right in front of me stood a man who's living in, in, in a persistent, unrepentant sin, and I don't care if you call it ju- judging or, 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 or not, the Bible says he is, okay? He's, he lives in persistent, unrepentant sin, sin, standing right in front of me. He's a f- friend of mine, and it's like I, I, I hardly ever get a confirmation that I'm on the right track more than I did that day. I got out of my truck, shut the door, and there he stands. He's the man. I'm going to have a few more. He's the first man. I'm going to pray for him every day until he dies or I die. I'm still going to talk to him, I'm still, but my talking to him has been in vain. As far as I, I can see, he hasn't changed a, changed a bit. My, uh, flesh and blood has not convinced him. The Father in heaven has got to do it. You know anybody like, like that? They're just so hardened by sin, so deep into this persistent, unrepentant sin that it seems like everything you've done has been for naught. I want to ask you to make a commitment to pray. Now, I I, I still want you to witness. uh, All right, it's it's not that we stop that. But I'm going to, I mean, make it. I I don't care how long you pray. I don't care. Just pray every day for that person until they die or you die. And we're going to have a prayer time just for that. Brian, go ahead and, and, uh, and turn the lights down some. So we're going to have two prayer times. The first one is for us, for me. You now you may be thinking, well, which one do I go to? I'm going to both. The, 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 the first one is for us, for me, where I... Pray about me. There's some things in my life that, that I, I, you know, I'm not where, where Saul was, but I don't even want to get there. Some, some of us are, are too big on how far can I go? How far away can I get? Instead of, hey, hey let's, stop, let's stop talking about how far away can we get. It's how close can we get. So the first prayer time is for me and for you. Now, on the first one, need you to catch this. On the first one, I'm going to ask you to kneel or to sit. The reason I'm asking you to do that, to kneel or to sit on praying for ourselves, is because on the second one, the commitment to pray for someone else, I'm going to ask you to come up here and stand. So there's a difference. Now you be thinking, okay, I'm going to do both because I need to do both. Okay, I'm going to do both because I need to do both. Now, my seat is up here. You, sit, you can sit anywhere you want to. But I want you to be thinking about, do, do you need to come and pray? Well, the truth is all, all of us do. But maybe this morning it's, it's just hitting you a little bit more. And I, I've got things in my life that I, I, need to get, I need to get right. I need to repent. And to repent means to turn my mind. I need to change my mind and heart. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do that. I need to be right. The second one is, and I'll make sure that, that you know, the second one is I'm going to make a commitment to pray every day for this person or two or three till they die or I die. I'm, I'm going to ask, ask you to stand. We're going to just play, 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 the, play the music through the speakers. If you want to come, and this is praying for yourself, praying for yourself, I'm going to ask you to either kneel or to sit, praying for yourself. Lord, I just need to come make things right. I need to repent of some things. I need to make sure that things are right. 
I just need to be sure. This isn't about God won't hear me. This is about me speaking. I want to speak. I want to let you know. I'm going to confess with my mouth. I'm going to, I'm going to confess my sin. And I know that you're faithful and just to forgive me of that sin. If you need to come and pray, we ask you to come.